Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's guest is Jeff Chastain, who's the founder of Admentis. It's a company that helps businesses grow and scale in actionable, tangible ways, something you know that I'm a huge fan of. He's also the host of the Built to Scale podcast, which you got to check out. We're going to be talking about those steps you need to transform your business. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Hey, if you've been thinking about how do I really grow my business, more importantly, if you've been thinking about how do I scale my business, we have the perfect guest for you today. Jeff Chastain is joining us today. He's the founder of Admentis, and he helps transform businesses to greater profits and more revenue. And basically, it's it's he's somebody who understands the secrets to what it takes to actually scale a business. See, this is a term that gets thrown around on social media all the time. You've probably seen it yourself and thought, like, what does this really mean to truly scale my business. We're going to be talking about it today. And hey, by the way, not only is Jeff going to be sharing some insights today, he's also the host of the Built to Scale podcast, which what the heck are you doing? You got to stop listening to this episode and go check out that podcast because he's also sharing all sorts of incredible insights on that podcast as well. Jeff, it's so great to have you here today. Thank you very much. I always enjoy the, the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation. Yeah, well, uh, maybe a good place to start is, first of all, how are you today? Doing well. We got nice sunny weather here in Dallas, so we're, we're happy today. We're glad to be beyond all that winter mess we had a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, so you're a Texas guy then, I guess. Have you? Yep. Are you born and raised? or Born and raised, yeah, here forever, so yep. So I, uh, I was thinking about Texas when that winter storm came through because... Uh, so I'm from Houston. I'm not living there anymore, but um, man, we really fall apart when the weather gets pretty cold. Well, they, it, this was beyond, I would say, literally record setting. They said it was it was negative two, and that was the first time we've had that since 1800s. So we're just simply not designed for that. I, <laughs> I, I've got a, actually an assistant up in Alaska, and she was saying, yeah, we just got 20 inches of snow. It's like, that's fine. You're, you're designed for that. You've got the infrastructure for that. We Our infrastructure is designed for 110 degree heat in August, not for right. negative two. And it just right, right. fell apart. So yeah, it was fun, but I'm glad to be on this side of it. <laughs> Well, tell us for the listeners, I know I introduced you, I talked a little bit about what you do and how you help business owners. Uh, I'd love to hear from your perspective. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what's Admentis, and um, what have you set out to do? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my story actually goes back to corporate America, really. It's it's a lot of entrepreneurs kind of a thing there, just getting tired, frustrated of, of being another number inside of the big corporate machine and saying, hey, I can do something better. I want to do something better and more exciting here. And of course, went out first thing and said, hey, I'm going to go start a consulting firm. So that's, that's what we all do when we leave corporate America is go, go be consultants. But so I formed Admentis back then really with a focus on technology. And my that was my background. I grew up programming, things like that, but spent a number of years, what effectively, it wasn't even known then at that point, but what was effectively a fractional CTO type role, basically working with 
growing companies, really honestly of all sizes. I, I, I did a couple of projects actually with Hasbro Toys. That was a lot of fun down to mom and pop shops kind of thing. So all aspects. But what I kept running into, and I had honestly a couple other uh, less than stellar uh, business ventures that I had gotten into over the years. But what I kept running into with both my ventures as well as clients was that they were looking to technology, honestly, to solve business issues. And it was the one of my favorite cases was the CEO I was working with. He came to me and said, yeah, we need to go implement a new CRM system for our, our business. Our sales numbers are down. And of course, he heard about this CRM from his buddy on the golf course kind of a thing. So had no, no clue as to what it was really was, but he came to me saying, okay, technology person, we need to implement this. And we went through all the discovery process, all the implementation, all the training, everything went the way it was supposed to. But then, of course, he comes back a few minutes, few a uh, few months later, unhappy because his sales didn't increase. Like, well, duh, it was just technology. It was technology magnifies whatever you've got underneath, and you didn't have a sales process, you didn't have a sales message, so you're not moving forward. And so, it kind of put me on my own journey at that point. A lot of the listeners kind of think the same way: is to say, okay, what does it really take to build a better business? How do you build this business up? And the challenge almost these days for me more than anything is it's not a case of lack of information. It's a case of too much information. It's just information overload out there. And the the term business operating system has gotten a lot more popular these days, but there are so many different systems out there from scaling up, from EOS, from Rockefeller Habits, from Great Game of Business, et cetera. It's like, okay, which one do I choose? And I studied them all, read them all and said, you know, rather than going out and pushing a system, trying to put your business into a square box of this, this system kind of a thing here, what if I can basically take it to the client, to the customer and say, okay, let's build your system. Let's build your playbook for your financial firm or your accounting firm or your technology firm, whatever it takes to, to basically run and process that business through. So really, that's where I look at it these days is to say, okay, I, I'm just here to work with my customers, work with business owners to say, okay, let's build your playbook. Let's build the systems necessary to take your business from whatever it is, one person, four or five person, whatever kind of a thing here, and turn it into 20 or 25 and really basically put the fun back in your business. Let you have fun doing what your passion is rather than doing everything that you're trying to do right now. With the, uh, I was actually on with one of my podcast guests a little while ago and they were talking about, yeah, it's not just four or five hats. It's like 60 hats that I'm wearing <laughs> kind of a thing here. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jeff, there's so much to unpack there and everything you just, and there's so many great insights. I, I think I want to start with, so you mentioned different um, processes, systems, things like EOS, which which um, for, for the listeners, I have no issue with EOS. It's, it's a great system and it works in many businesses. But Jeff, I think a really incredible insight you mentioned was, I, I don't know if it's unfair to call it an obsession, but business owners who really hone in on like that product, um, you know, you mentioned the CRM tool. I've seen things like that in my own practice where a client will just really get jazzed about this one thing like to pick up off the shelf, so to speak. And it, and it doesn't work because they don't, they don't have those actual like internal processes figured out. Why does it feel like business owners struggle to really hone in on the right answer for their business? Uh, and, and also why they seem to default to choosing these sort of off-the-shelf answers that leave them frustrated. Well, most entrepreneurs that I would talk to or most business owners, they didn't come at this saying, okay, I'm going to go build a business. Most of them came at it and said, hey, 
Um, again, was talking with somebody else earlier, they had a law firm and there's like, okay, how do I get the resources? Where do I find staffing to staff up my law firm? And yeah, there was other virtual staffing companies and stuff like that, but nothing really tailored to the legal industry. So they went and started a legal specific virtual staffing firm. So it's it's things like that where it's like, okay, I'm going to go solve an issue, solve a need kind of a thing there. And most of the time, they don't have an MBA background. They don't have a business background. They don't have that kind of history. So it's a lot of trying to figure out things on their own. And when you are dealing with things outside of your passion, outside of your area of expertise, it's a whole lot easier to say, go grab something off the shelf rather than hopefully. And and honestly, we coach them that way as well as to say, don't go reinvent the wheel. But the problem is, how do you bridge that gap between, okay, don't reinvent the wheel, but at the same time, don't pick up the thing off the shelf that is a square box, whereas you're a round peg business and you're going to try to go stuff your your round peg business into that square box and it'll give you some benefit, but is it really going to give you the, the long lasting, the long kind of direction that you really need? So it's just that to me, it's more of a, a lack of knowledge kind of basis and grasping it at, at shiny objects <laughs> because it was like, okay, how do we solve this issue that I have no expertise in solving? And my buddy on the golf course said this, so it worked for him. I'm going to go do it as well, even though they're two different businesses. Yeah. And it may have legitimately worked for that person's business. It's almost a little bit like you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know there's, there's answers and solutions that are out there that can be helpful and can work. But like you said, it's a square answer to your round peg business, or maybe your business just isn't there yet. I know one of the biggest things that I see that's frustrating for new entrepreneurs is they jump into like, things like Facebook advertising too quickly. And so they roll out, you know, maybe even hire an ad agency and they're rolling out and they're spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, and they're not seeing the results. We know Facebook advertising can work for a multitude of businesses, but if you haven't even validated your offer, you're not even clear on who your customer is. You haven't even really developed uh, a sales pipeline. It can be really frustrating for the new entrepreneur who's thinking, why, why is this not working for for me. Uh, and it almost feels like we're, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but it almost feels like we don't have a lot of opportunities to get that objective feedback where someone can say, Hey, you, you are way out of your element here, not in a disrespectful <laughs> way, but just like what you're trying to do here, your business simply is not there yet. Yeah, no, and I, I completely agree. It's I, I've run into that numerous times with different vendors that say, okay, sell our product, our product only kind of a thing. And that's just not my personality. It never has been. I was never, even in the technology days, I was never a Microsoft person versus a Salesforce person or whatever kind of a thing. It was like, okay, what's best for that client, for that business? Because in some respects, I look at all businesses and say, not to burst anybody's bubble, but the underlying foundations of business is the same, regardless of, it doesn't matter whether you're a a marketing firm or a technology firm or whatever, you've got the same basic flow, the same basic process of saying, okay, how are we going to go out and generate new business? How are we going to onboard those customers? How are we going to deliver our product or service? How are we going to hopefully get paid for it? But at the same time, there is a uniqueness factor that, okay, how do you build onto that? That yes, you've got the basic process, but how, how do you hopefully are unique in your business and delivering your your technology service versus the previous person's kind of a thing there. So that's really to me where it comes into, okay, how are we going to put this, again, develop a marketing system or a whatever that you're selling that, okay, we're going to go out and be 
the sales force. Like Salesforce is not the the answer for anybody and everybody wanting a CRM. It's it's honestly it's overkill for many many pieces, especially in the smaller business. And people will look at it and say, "Oh, it's got the big name. That's what I'm going to go for." And then they get into it, and it's just overwhelmed at that point because they don't have the expertise there, and they don't maybe have a, a an outsource provider or something like that to help them set it up. But yeah, that's the that's the challenge really from a marketing standpoint. Anytime you're dealing with anybody that's got their system, their tool, of course it's going to be the right solution for you, even though it's it may be a ninety percent solution, but it's not complete there. One business I think of is uh, Salesflare, which came about specifically because a business owner was using Salesforce and was like, this is way, I mean, it's a very robust tool. It's very helpful for many businesses, but for where my business is, it's, it is it is overkill. It's way yeah. too much. And so he actually pivoted entirely and designed his own CRM explicitly for uh, the small business owner. And so that's an example where someone has innovated and they have seen that opportunity to differentiate. But I want to hone in on this for a second and ask you for your insight. It feels like many business owners, and I, I don't want this to come across harshly to the listeners, but a lot of times when we get into business, we have these two dangerous words and it's, we're different. And you either, and there's a lot of pride with that. Maybe there's a little bit of ego with that. And it's like, man, we're really different. And maybe in your own eyes, you really are different, right? So like, um, I remember there was a guy who was selling journals and he said, you know, we're a lot different than our competitor. And I said, well, how? And he was describing the ways he, were, he was different. And I asked, well, do your customers really think that though? Do your customers really see you as different? Talk to me a little bit about the difference between thinking you're different and special and you've innovated and you found your little niche versus companies that really have innovated and differentiated themselves and they've disrupted like what's that what's that difference there because it feels like if you're in the first bucket it's a dangerous place to be because you're developing an entire strategy around thinking you're different when you're not yeah um, so what do you think about that well it's really to me it comes down to a lot of it is the outer marketing kind of message that yes you may you, you obviously want to be a differentiator you want to have a differentiator in your your values your purpose and obviously key differentiators in your marketing message things like that because if you're going to go be yet another CPA firm that does taxes kind of a thing here and all I've got to do is the olden days go to the the yellow pages or today google search results and search for CPA in Dallas Texas you're throwing darts at that point of trying to get any customers. But at the same time, so you really want that differentiator from a marketing perspective to say, okay, well, why why would a customer choose you to be their CPA firm kind of a thing there? What, what level is it just, and, and it's got to be quantifiable. It's not just, yeah, we're going to go be the best customer service. Because that's a lot of times what you hear from business owners. How are you different? Well, we're great at customer service. We're great at customer experience. Like, so okay, that's fluff. What, yeah. what, what does that really mean kind of a thing? Right. So it's, it's got to be differentiable here, really concrete to say, okay, we've got a different process. We've got different uh, implementation. We've got different, whatever the case may be, real true differentiators. So that's really one thing a lot of times I'll work with clients on is to say, okay, let's figure out your true strategy. Let's figure out what's your true, I look at it as kind of the pinnacle of climbing the mountain here. What, how are we really different? How are we going to set that goal to be something different? And it's got to be more than just the fluff piece there. But at the same time, you've got the other component of it that I was talking about that, okay, 
the actual operations of your business are not that different. They're, they're really not unique in most cases that as long as you can still meet, obviously, your goals of, hey, we're going to do a different service delivery model. Great, as long as it works and it's efficient and all that kind of stuff. But it's still you're still managing people. You're still dealing with profits. You're still dealing with customer issues. You're still dealing with all the same thing that honestly everybody else does. And the better that you can get that execution layer working, the more efficient you'll be able to push that strategy. But to me, it's the strategy side that's really where it comes down to being a true differentiator. And you may have the reality is on occasion, yeah, we'll have the the Elon Musk or whatever that comes out with just a complete revolutionary idea. But most business owners that I deal with are, are can and are still quite successful just taking a one degree change kind of a thing there. I forget what the, the book was that I, I read recently. It was um, it was like two, 212 degrees or something like that was the number. And it was like, okay, the difference between 211 degrees at just a pot of warm water versus 212 degrees being steam, being boiling water that can go power a locomotive, go power a train kind of a thing there. It's that one degree difference. If you can really get that one degree differentiator in your business to say, instead of just another staffing firm, this company was looking, okay, just the legal industry. We're focusing on the legal and focusing on making sure that the the, uh, staffing agents, the virtual agents that we're placing, et cetera, no legal terms, know how a law firm works, et cetera. It's that one degree of difference right there that really sets you out and sets you apart where you don't have to go create a brand new wheel at that point. It's amazing how we make innovation in our mind a lot of times this really um, expansive thing to our industry. Like if I'm going to innovate, but I, I so love the concept you're talking about of of just the small changes, the things that even like quality of life changes to your product or even your industry that for your customers can really be meaningful for them. Um, and something else I think you said that was really interesting to think about is... Um, I feel like this is more in the startup world, but being overly hipster about your processes internally and how we do things here, instead of just like, you know, just because it's not sexy doesn't mean it doesn't work. You know, understanding the simplicity in honing in on proven business practices, um, proven processes. And then something else you said, I think is really important to hone in on for a second is really... I think you called it outside marketing, but letting your customers let you know what they are liking and appreciating about things you're rolling out and doing. It almost feels like a lot of times as business owners, we're so passionate and so in love with our product. And I think that's why we say, you know, customer service. I think that's why we're like, oh, because I'm, I really care about my customers. So yeah, customer service. And yet everyone's saying it, right? But I think actually letting your customers like leaning into that feedback and hearing what they say and not being emotionally tied to that, that can be pretty challenging for the new entrepreneur. Um, Because I don't know how you felt when you started your business. I know for me, there was a lot of emotionality around, I want my product to be liked. I want people to want it. Um, I'm going to tweak it and hope that they appreciate it. And it almost feels like part of the journey of entrepreneurship in leaning into that innovation involves like this steadiness of, I guess, not taking things too personal, being open to feedback. What's, what's your take on all of that? Well, I think it's that case from both the outward facing kind of product and, and placement, as well as just even internal kind of a thing as to how are you going to grow your business and scale it? Because it's 
Yeah, on the outside product, I definitely, again, coming from a, a technology background back in the day, we always had the concept of beta testing product, beta testing software and stuff like that. And that's always one that I, I really like hearing clients or hearing businesses that do that because it's like, okay, get your product out there, test it with, if nothing else, go, go get five of your friends or five people you know or whatever, get them to give you some real feedback kind of a thing on your product before you go spend the thousands of dollars on Facebook ads to sit here and advertise something that, well, nobody really wants after all. So yeah, doing it definitely from small perspective there. But yeah, you've got to be open to the feedback, open to real things because, and again, I've, I've been down that path before of my great idea, of course, everybody's going to want this. And then you open up the doors and it's, it's crickets at that point kind of a thing, which is to me, almost a bigger danger these days because you're not having to go spend all the money to get a storefront and do all that stuff. It's it's 20 bucks to go throw up a GoDaddy website and nobody's going to find it. Kind of thing there. Well, I mean, so that's such, that is an insight in and of itself is the, yeah, the barrier to entry is so low and yet the ability for your expenses to balloon, it's, I mean, it's so easy these days to set up a Facebook ad account. It's so yeah. easy to say, I mean, Google will, they will have someone call you and walk you through how to do it. Um, and, and this feedback piece, I think is really interesting because I've known people who they've told me, yeah, yeah, I got, I got great feedback and there's this disconnect because they're saying I got feedback and yet no one's buying from me. I think of one gentleman who was selling, he had his, had a Shopify store for like, I don't know, two years and he had gotten like eight customers and I was like, what are you even selling? And he was selling bedazzled leather wristbands. And I was like, are you, is this for like Nickelback fans? Like who are you, who are you selling to? And in his mind, he had gotten that feedback, yet in practicality, he wasn't seeing the results of it. And something else it reminds me of is a really great book in the startup world called uh, Passing the Mom Test. And the whole concept about it is if you're going to get feedback, stop asking your mom what she thinks of your yeah. product. What does it look like for a business owner to really get honest feedback for their product, for their service, whatever it is they're trying to sell? Well, it's really an area, and I, I try not to be too self-serving with it, but it's really why I always recommend that early days, and I've heard this on my podcast plenty of times from guests, that you get a effectively a board of advisors or an outside coach, somebody else that's outside. Because even from your own in, internal team kind of a thing there, especially if you've got your direct reports in a small company, they're probably going to want to tell you what you want to hear because they want to keep getting paid. They don't, they don't want to get fired kind of a thing there. So having that outside <laughs> accountability to come back and say, hey, why are you doing this? Why are you doing things this way? Like you're talking about with the Shopify store, but it's, I forget who, who did the quote. It was like a, a rear admiral or something, but it was basically the, the worst words in the English language or the worst phrase in the English language is we've always done things that way. And business owners tend to get sucked in on that to say, okay, there is just tunnel vision of, okay, this is what we're doing. This has worked before to some degree. This is what way we keep doing things. And they don't see outside of that to say, wait a minute, why are you still doing that process when you could do it a different way or do it more efficiently? And having the fortitude in a lot of ways as a business owner to say, hey, yes, I, I'll take that criticism. I'll take that question and actually think about it and not just wipe it off and say, well, no, no, never mind. This is the way we, we know how to do things. We know that. To me, that's one of the biggest struggles and really one of the biggest hindrances right there of a growing business is just saying, okay, this is our path and we're glued to it no matter what, even though markets change, 
pandemics happen, et cetera, kind of a thing. Stuff happens and you got to be able to adjust. You got to be able to pivot there. But if you get your your blinders put on too long and don't have somebody beyond your mom sitting here telling you great <laughs> job every time, then, yeah, you'll you'll end up down a rabbit hole for sure at the, at the very least. Let's talk about the role of of ego and humility in this whole conversation, because uh, I've heard business owners who've gotten that critical feedback. And I even heard one business owner who he said, well, if they don't like it, they can go somewhere else. And I was thinking to myself, when I heard that, I thought well, they are going somewhere else. That's, that's the whole point of this conversation. But it almost feels like this sometimes ego, and I mean this separate from like just being confident about I have a good product. It feels like ego can be really detrimental to the growth of a business. Um, and maybe, maybe not even just ego, but an unwillingness to change. Like, especially during COVID, there was one business that did basically all in-person servicing, uh, the serviceable, serviceable, um, they did a service in person, excuse me. And in talking with this person, they said, well, we'll never go digital. We'll never do anything digital. It can only happen in person. And I remember saying, well, then you're, you're in for a rude awakening for the next, I mean, this was back in summer of last year. I think I said for the next quarter, naturally now we're almost a year later. Let's talk a little bit about ego and unwillingness to change. Tell me what you think about that. It's to me, it's more the unwillingness to change, but yeah, definitely the ego side to me, there's a balance because on one hand, being the entrepreneurial type, you've got to have the, the ego or at least the, the drive, the courage, et cetera, out there that, somebody that's happy with a corporate job doesn't have necessarily. And, and there's a role for both of those people, but still starting a business requires some, some more to it than that. You, you've got to have some drive. You've got to have the, the fortitude and the, the say, Hey, we're going to keep pressing on when the, the pandemic strikes or, or whether it's a market shift or whatever, things are not always going to go nice and smooth. And you've got to have that drive to be able to push through it where that, runs into challenges like you're talking about, and I've dealt with this with other businesses before, is when the ego is so high that it's like, okay, it's it's my way or else. This is everything has to be about me, everything. I'm the only one that has any expertise kind of a thing here. And you basically kill the the creativity, you kill the the drive of the rest of your team at that point because they don't really feel like I can bring up a either a question, a, a, a an issue, or for that matter, I can even bring up an idea because it's going to get shot down just because it's not your idea kind of a thing there. So it's really, it's detrimental to even just your internal team culture, your internal team atmosphere kind of a thing. That's, that's one thing I always work with and coach uh, leadership teams on is saying, okay, it's within the room here, within just this leadership team, it's 100% open, honest. Everybody's having a conversation. Everybody gets a voice. When we walk out of this room, we've got one voice as the team, but still within this room right here, it's open and honest. Nobody, nobody's got any uh, market on the, the good ideas or the, the lion's share here, everything. And that's tough for a lot of business leaders. It's, it's always interesting. The, the ones I get in, because I always love talking with the, the leadership team as a whole and asking, calling out certain people, asking individual questions. And you can tell the dynamic of the leadership team really quickly when you ask somebody a question and the first thing they do is glance at the CEO and say, okay, can I really answer this? Can I, can I really say what, what I'm thinking here? And it's like, that's, that's almost, that's a red flag all the time right there to say, okay, there's, there's an issue here in the team, but yeah, it's yeah. that, that ego can really just crush the team. So it's a, it's a balancing act, honestly, because I think you do have to have some to be a good leader and be a good entrepreneur right there. But sure. at the same time, you can't let it overshadow your team right there for sure. 
you know, I've seen it play out two different ways. One, I, there was a, um, sort of like this internal culture survey about like how business is done here. What do we think about it? And the answers were really negative. And then we asked the team uh, together those same questions and it was so incredibly positive. And it was so, it was so jarring because I was like, this is, it's like a totally different team than what's on this sheet here. And the second time I've seen it play out as I saw a CEO ask, um, their team, Hey, why will this idea not work? I want to get some feedback. And one person started saying, well, this is why it's not going to work. And the CEO was like, what do you, you don't know what you're talking about. That's, that's no. not true. And the person was like, you asked why, <laughs> you know, that it was like very confusing, but, um, I, I think not even just in terms of ego, a lot of times I think as the CEO, the relinquishing that control in, in sort of having this collaborative environment, it can be tough to train that. I think. Something else I want to ask you about, because you mentioned corporate a second ago, and you mentioned it also at the start of our call. Why does it feel like so many entrepreneurs are have such a similar story about, I was in the corporate world, it wasn't working for me, it just I wasn't paying it. And, and I, don't want to, I don't want to apply that. There's plenty of people who are incredibly successful in the corporate world and still go on to start their own ventures. So it's not like I couldn't do it, so I quit. But why does it seem like corporate life isn't so much um, conducive, I guess, to the entrepreneurial mindset. I don't know if it's innovation. I don't really know quite what it is, but it feels like a lot of entrepreneurs have a similar story there. Yeah, it really is. And it's, um, I, I hear the story a lot and it's not necessarily that they couldn't hack it. It's, it's in a lot of ways, it's like, okay, I, I'm just simply not a good employee. I'm, I'm a much better leader, boss, et cetera. And nobody wants me as, as their, their employee, but I look at it more almost in the, if you look at it from the phases of a business and all businesses kind of go through the same thing of the early startup days that while we glorify it, the reality is just get through it as fast as possible kind of a thing, because it's, it's nothing, but just a crunch right there is okay. Can you really get a product to market before you run out of money is basically all there is, is pure survival. But getting into that kind of growth phase, you've got a lot more innovation. You've got a lot more flexibility. The, the ship can turn pretty quickly during those kind of growth phase. But once you start getting almost to the point of getting so regimented that everything's built under super tight processes, that it's it's literally robots in a factory kind of a thing there of just plug somebody else in. That's where, especially the entrepreneurial type that likes this agility, likes this free-flowing nature of it, starts getting into that when that company grows to that point, which is really where the, the startings of corporate uh, start coming out. Then it's just like, okay, like I said earlier, I, I just felt like, like, okay, I'm just another number here. I, I'm nobody. I'm moving from department to department, depending on when they do a next reorg kind of a thing there. It's just like, okay, where's the purpose? What, what's the passion here? I, I literally got to the point I was in uh, the way that I had that office set up. I was two-person cubes, two-person offices, basically. I literally got to the point where I was waiting on my office mate every day to leave. So I wouldn't be the first person out the door kind of a thing there. It's like, I, I stopped and looked at this. It's like, why am I doing this? Great. It's a paycheck, but why am I doing this? Where's more? Where's my purpose? Where's, what am I contributing back? I actually had a, uh, a guest on my show at one point ask, it's like, okay, if somebody were to look at your life and write a book about it, would anybody want to read the book? And in those days of just sitting there nine to five, whatever it was, waiting in the cubicle, waiting for him to leave kind of a thing so I could leave. It's like, nobody's going to read that book. That's, that's, that's boring as anything here. I want to go do something different. And to me, that's the, 
that's the mindset change for an entrepreneur. It's, the, it's what I would refer to as more of a visionary. It's the idea. It's the big person kind of a thing that wants to go out there and do things. There's definitely a place for the management personality types, for the 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 uh, lack of a better term, the worker bees kind of something that just want to get systems done, want to get processes out. Even in entrepreneurial business, we still need those people to move our business forward. But that fits real well into that corporate kind of mindset or that corporate lifestyle of, hey, we're just going to keep doing our process, keep keep turning the machine, keep uh, running the manufacturing line there. But entrepreneurs typically are wired a little bit differently, honestly. They're just, they've got the, the ideas, they've got the passions, and inside of corporate America, they don't have the ability to, to realize that or move that forward real well. And it almost feels like many bosses aren't really, they're very output-minded, which isn't necessarily bad. I mean, you are running a business, but yeah. understanding how to harness the individuality of your employees can be really powerful. And then for the people listening right now who maybe are entrepreneurs, I mean, they're kind of dreaming about entrepreneurship. I think it can be very exciting thinking about getting out of that mundane lifestyle. And maybe this is a great place to end the conversation because we paint entrepreneurship as this incredibly freeing, um, sexy, um, life-fulfilling pivot in our career. You know, I was in the corporate world and now I am a business owner. Well, you and I both know how uh, dreary isn't probably the right word, but we've. I know I've had those days where I have just kind of felt like in the pit of what am I doing and how do I get out of this? And it feels like entrepreneurship in practice is really mentally exhausting. It's draining. It's challenging. I know for me, it's the hardest thing I've probably ever done. Share with the listeners, how do you stay encouraged? How do you stay engaged? And um, what keeps you going? Well, it it definitely is exactly what you're saying. And especially in early days kind of a thing, it's, it's, it's a very much of a struggle because the challenge and a lot of people don't look at it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, kind of going back to where we started. I'm going to go, I've got a new idea. I'm going to go take that idea to market. We're going to blow the doors off, et cetera. But you've still got in the early days, those 60 hats. You've got to, somebody's got to be handling the books. Somebody's got to be handling the, the outbound phone calls. Somebody's got to be sweeping the floor. And in the early days, that's you right there sitting there doing everything or even at four or five people kind of a thing there. To me, the key with entrepreneurship and granted, it, it varies with the personality too. Some people like that small business, like simply build wrap their arms around it. But to me, my personal passion, my my fun spot is getting it to that next level to say, okay, I can start getting rid of those hats, literally focus back on my passion, why I got into this business in the first place, trust that I've got the right people in place that I can delegate to, that they can handle the other aspects that I don't enjoy. And then I really can have fun. That's 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 where I love that's that's my passion of putting that fund back into those business owners because so many times I do see that that they're so tired they're so worn out they're burned out it's like we're sitting here putting more and more hours to this and we can't move the needle it's just the business is not it's it's stagnated we're not growing why is what we used to do worked we're still trying to do that same thing it's not working why can't we and that's really where honestly I think we see a lot of the burnout because you see the early failures in the first years or whatever of startup, but then you start seeing a whole nother burnout phase at five to seven years usually, which is kind of what we're talking about, about, okay, this is no longer fun. It was fun in the the, the early days when we had the, the ping pong table in the break room and it was happy hour Friday afternoon, every kind of a thing. That was fun. 
now it's just a daily grind and we're back to, in a lot of ways, what we had in corporate America kind of a thing. So it's really getting through that hump. And to me, that's where, honestly, it starts shifting back to processes, starts shifting back to systems that it's not just a complete free-for-all at that point. If you're going to run a business at that size, you got to have a foundation built under it and you got to be able to grow that. And what people fear almost with that is saying, hey, you're taking away my creativity. You're taking away my fun because you're building processes in it. And again, had a, had another guest recently that was running a, a marketing agency. And what she said really was one of the biggest keys to her growth of it was that she was able to put in systems, able to put in automation in a lot of ways to automate the administrative side of the business, of the, the invoice generation, of the, the client onboarding, which on one hand actually gave a much more systematized we know this works every time. We know all the, the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. But at the same time, it actually freed up her creative team that they didn't have to worry about that stuff anymore. And they could actually have more fun being creative at that point. So it actually gave her more creativity by layering in some of those processes. And it's really, to me, that's where the fun comes back into it. That's kind of the, the second life of, of any business right there is to say, okay, now we're really having fun. Now we're being creative as the marketing team or we're, we're out doing technology or whatever the case may be, but I'm enjoying running a business now. I can go be that visionary again and go out and have fun with the big projects or meet the big clients or whatever and trust that I have a team behind me handling everything else that honestly, I don't want to do. I love that advice. And again, it's it's. I made the joke about being overly hipster earlier. I mean, leaning into the things that can feel mundane, can feel um, that in and of itself can feel sort of anti anti-entrepreneurial or anti-why you got away from the corporate life, but it, it almost feels like you can have both. I mean, it's it's these foundational pieces that free us up to lean into our passion and where we find that fun again. Um, Jeff, you have been a fantastic guest. Thank you for joining us today. I want to ask you for people who've been listening, who want to learn more about you, they want to engage with you, maybe they even want to work with you. What is the answer for them? What can they do? Well, everything I've got is again, all across social media and the website. Everything is just admentus.com. It's A-D-M-E-N-T-U-S.com. And of course, find my profiles out there. But yeah, I'm always happy to just have a conversation or happy to talk, whatever, talk about business kind of thing. I love hearing stories and sharing stories. We we talked about this beforehand. It's like so many times with business, the, the underlying themes, the underlying the concepts are the same, but everybody's got a different story, a different challenge that they're looking at it because they're they're looking at it from their perspective. And it's it's a different perspective, but it's I always love talking with people. So always, always happy to have a conversation there. Well, Jeff, thanks again for coming on the podcast today. You've been a great guest and you've given some really incredible advice today. Enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Hey, for our listeners, if you want to check out admentus.com, I'm going to put the link down in the episode description below. I'm also going to put a link to Jeff's podcast, the Built to Last, uh, excuse me, Built to Scale podcast. We were joking about a book earlier, the Built to Scale podcast. I'll have a link down in the episode description below. Make sure you check that out and subscribe to it. And also reach out to Jeff on any issues you have with your business. If you want to get another perspective, another set of eyes on your business, Jeff is the person who can help you do that. Hey, don't forget, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've never subscribed to it, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so we keep giving you good advice wherever you are. And also don't forget, we're on Patreon. If you've been looking for ways to support the podcast, you can check us out, patreon.com slash good advice, where you can even get your business sponsored on the podcast, as well as all sorts of our premium content shared with you. Hey, as always, thanks so much for your support. We appreciate you and we'll catch you later. See ya.